the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. So thinking that we are something when we are nothing, folks, it's a serious problem, as Paul says here in Galatians 6.3. And it's what keeps some of us from serving others by bearing their burdens. But here's an important question I want to throw out to you. This is to stimulate your, your thinking. Why would a Christian, a true Christian, ever be self-righteous and proud and think that he was morally superior to anyone when he knows exactly what the Bible says about the rebelliousness of his own heart? Good question. The Apostle Paul, one of the most amazing men who ever lived, said in 1 Corinthians 15, 9, I am the least of the apostles. A few years later, he wrote in Ephesians 3, 8, I am the very least of all the saints. And then the next year, he wrote in 1 Timothy 1, 15, I am the foremost of sinners. It seems that as Paul grew in grace, he became increasingly conscious of how far he was from God's perfection and how much he needed God's mercy. Well, if he was that short of the mark, well, we sure don't have anything to boast about, do we? Humility is one of the results of true spirituality, and that's our topic today on Verse by Verse. Welcome. Pastor Steve Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We've been reading and learning from Galatians chapter 6, and today Pastor Steve will be concluding his second sermon in this series. In the movie Shenandoah, Jimmy Stewart's character Charlie Anderson prayed before the family's meal like this. Lord, we cleared this land. We plowed it, sowed it, and harvested it. We cooked the harvest. It wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be eating it if we hadn't done it all ourselves. We worked dog bone hard for every crumb and morsel. But we thank you just the same anyway, Lord, for this food we're about to eat. Amen. (laughs) Well, at least he was honest about how he felt. No false humility in that prayer, was there? But also no recognition that he could not have done any of those things without God's involvement. Proverbs 16.5 says, Everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Assuredly, he will not be unpunished. Now here's Pastor Steve to talk about that. Pride is a serious sin. Now, let me say, I understand that every believer, every believer should be aware that they struggle with pride. We're not talking about someone who struggles with pride. We're talking about someone who's not even aware of it. Someone who has it, it's so blatant, And he or she doesn't see it. And that brings me to the second issue that's related to self-righteousness. It's that the sin of pride is not always easy to detect in ourselves. It's easy to detect in other people. In fact, we love to, to detect it in other people. It's obvious to us when we see someone else who's lifted up with pride. But we often don't see it in ourselves. But there is a way to find out. If you have this problem with pride and self-righteousness, and I'm not talking about you're always repenting of it, I'm talking about you have a problem that you don't see. There is a way to to know if that is a problem in your life. It's to consider what you say about yourself. 
how you talk about yourself. You see, those who have a problem with pride tend to give it away by boasting about themselves and their accomplishments. When they hear the hymn, How Great Thou Art, they think it's about them. That's the kind of person. They love to tell others how great they are. As our friend Rick Holland often says, those who are proud are always the heroes of their own stories. They promote themselves. And why is it that it comes out in their talk? Because out of the abundance of the heart, Jesus said, the mouth speaks. That's how you know if you've got a serious problem with with pride. Many years ago, Michelle and I were at some banquet. I don't even remember what it was. And uh, the speaker got up and he started listing all of his accomplishments and how, how great he was and all the wonderful things he had done in life. And I thought, you know, this is great because he's obviously illustrating what not to do. He wasn't illustrating what not to do. It became apparent after a few minutes. This guy really believed this. He was telling us what a wonderful person he was. It it was just so blatant and he never got it. But you know, one of the most glaring biblical illustrations of a proud, boastful believer in Christ, a man who was, was full of himself, was Peter. Peter, let me show you this. Let's go to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. This is the night that Jesus will be arrested. And so he is warning his apostles what is going to to happen. He says, we break in at verse 31. Then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it's written, I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. He says, you're all going to leave me. You're going to forsake me. But after I've been raised, meaning the resurrection, I'll, I'll go ahead of you to Galilee. But notice this. Peter said to him, even though all men, all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Now, he's going to eat those words, isn't he? But look how he boasts. Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you that this very night before a rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing. Notice how Peter boasted that he was better than the other apostles. He said, yes, Lord, I understand what you're saying. They may fall away because I know these guys. They are going to fall away, but not me. Lord, I'm ready to die for you. I'm not going to stumble tonight and forsake you like they are. He felt that he was better than all the other apostles. After all, didn't the apostles have arguments constantly over who was the greatest? I'll bet that Peter was the instigator with those debates, those arguments, because he felt that he was the greatest. And you know what? He wasn't embarrassed to say it. He admitted it, but he wasn't better than the others. And Jesus revealed just how sinful he was by predicting that that night he would deny him three times, something nobody else did. And exactly that's what happened. See, God has his own way of humbling us when we're proud. That's why the Bible says he opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. It was many years later that a much humbler Peter exhorted believers in 1 Peter 5, 5 to clothe themselves in humility. Wrap it around you because he said God is opposed to the proud. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Peter learned that by experience, didn't he? Not in the classroom, but by his own experience. So thinking that we are something when we are nothing, folks, it's a serious problem. As Paul says here in Galatians 6, 3. And it's what keeps some of us from serving others by bearing their burdens. But here's an important question I want to throw out to you. This is to stimulate your your thinking. 
We understand when non-Christians are proud and self-righteous and conceited. It's only natural for them to be this way. All they have is the is their sinful nature. They are in complete rebellion against God. They only have a sin nature. And therefore, one of the ways that this sinfulness, this rebellion expresses itself is, is that they exalt themselves. They try to make themselves look good. That's part of their rebellion against God. They don't know what the Bible says about self-righteous pride and arrogance, sinful pride. And frankly, they don't care what the Bible says, even if they knew. They don't care what the Bible says about that or anything. But here's what we may find puzzling, and this is what I throw out to provoke you to think. Why would a Christian, a true Christian, ever be self-righteous and proud and think that he was morally superior to anyone when he knows exactly what the Bible says about the rebelliousness of his own heart? How do do we know he knows about that? You can't become a Christian without knowing about that. You cannot become a true Christian without understanding your sinful condition. That's why Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who, who mourn. He meant those who mourn for their sin. That's why you came to Christ in the first place, because you recognize how sinful you are. So the question is, how does anyone who has come to Christ, knowing full well how sinful they are and how much they need God's forgiveness, ever allow themselves to get so deceived as to think that they are morally superior to anyone else? How could they think like that? When they know, at least to some degree, their own hearts, that like everybody else, it's, it's sinful, how would they do this and still be saved? Well, Paul addresses this, this issue, this question I've raised for you in verse 4. And at the same time, in verse 4, he gives us the cure to self-righteous pride. Notice verse 4. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. Now, once again, at first glance, this is not an easy verse to understand or see how it connects with what Paul's been teaching about pride. In fact, it looks as if Paul is actually encouraging people here to boast about themselves when he's just told them that it is wrong to think more highly of themselves than they really are, that they are not something, they're nothing. So what is this verse saying? Well, let's examine it. Let's break it down. Let's analyze it. First of all, when he says each one must examine his own work, he's telling us to stop, that the way to stop deceiving ourselves by thinking that we are better than others, especially the brother or sister who has fallen into sin, the way to stop deceiving ourselves is by ceasing from comparing ourselves to them. Stop comparing yourself to others but rather examine, he says, each one must examine his own work, examine the quality of your own life. In other words, instead of measuring yourself by somebody who has failed miserably in the Christian life so that you conclude, by comparison, you're doing pretty good. You're doing very well. Because you haven't done that. Paul calls us to measure our lives and our conduct. Watch this. In light of God's standards, not the standards of a fallen brother or sister, God's standards. See, in commanding us to examine our own work, Paul is telling us to stop comparing ourselves to others and their work. Because if you evaluate your spiritual life by by comparing yourself to others, you will inevitably become lifted up with pride since you can always find someone who's doing worse than you are. Always. 
And when that happens, then you, you will erroneously conclude that you must be something, when in reality, you are nothing. Listen, one of the great dangers that we all face is to measure ourselves against other Christians. That's where sinful pride is born and it's nurtured in the soil of comparisons. When you compare yourself to those who have fallen into sin, you always come out looking good. You always do. And you'll conclude that you're doing just fine because you're not as bad as that person. By the way, just on a side note, this is not the point that Paul is making here, but it is relevant. Compare, if you compare yourself to other Christians who are not doing worse than you, but they're doing better than you, it's going to have the opposite effect. You're going to be very discouraged. You're going to be deflated. You will feel like giving up because if you compare yourself to someone who's more spiritual than you or somebody who's made more progress in the Christian life or someone who's being used more than you are, it'll call, cause you to say things like, you know what, I can never do this. I might as well give up. I'm a failure as a Christian. I'll never be as godly as that person. I can't do anything right. So comparisons are just wrong, whether it's to somebody who is doing worse than you or somebody who's doing better than you. And going back to Paul's point here in verse 4, he says, don't compare yourself to somebody who's struggling with sin. Otherwise, you'll find yourself lifted with pride and feeling quite righteous. Paul urges us here in verse 4 to examine ourselves. He means examine yourself by what the Word of God teaches. That is to say, instead of comparing ourselves to those who have fallen, compare yourself or at least assess yourself accurately by seeing how your life measures up to what Scripture says, not the standards of other people's behavior. Notice once again, verse 4. Let me read it again. But each one must examine his own work, and then he'll have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. Now notice, after telling us to examine our, our own work, meaning test ourselves and our actions against the standards of the Bible so that we see how we really measure up, Paul states that then we will have reason for boasting in regard to ourselves alone and not in regard to another. Now, what does he mean by this? He means that after testing your life by the standards of Scripture, that you find some measure of obedience in your life, some measure of godliness, some fruit of the Spirit that has been and is being produced in your life, then Paul says that you have reason for boasting in regard to yourself. Now, we don't want to misunderstand this because Paul doesn't mean that it's right to sinfully boast. He's just been condemning sinful pride. So he's not going to turn around and tell us, well, now you can boast because you're pretty good. He's not doing that. He's just condemned that. And Scripture everywhere else condemns that. You see, the boasting he's talking about is legitimate satisfaction. It's a rejoicing that comes from knowing that God has been the one to bring about these positive things in your life. In other words, the kind of boasting that Paul's referring to it's what he's referred to in another place as boasting in the Lord. He who boasts, let him boast in the Lord. Because you are now aware that any obedience and godliness and fruit of the Spirit in your life is only attributed to God's grace in your life, not something you accomplished on the basis of, of being innately morally good. Now, let's take a step back and see what we've seen before we finish this. What we've seen so far from the pen of the Apostle Paul is that he tells us spiritual believers do two things. Number one, they restore those who fall into sin. Number two, 
they bear the burdens of those believers who have fallen and they're now struggling to get back on track. And if we're not willing to do this, he says, that's because we think we're better than others. We think we're, we're something special. And therefore, we won't lower ourselves to be compassionate to those who we consider beneath us, who aren't morally as tough as we are. They're weak. They've given into temptation. We would do better, we think. And Paul says that the person who has this self-righteous attitude needs to know that he isn't special at all. He isn't something. He's nothing. And what will help him to change this exalted view of himself is to measure himself not by his fallen comrade, his fallen brother, but to measure himself by the standards of the Bible. That's what will help. Let him see himself in light of the perfection of Jesus Christ. That'll humble him. So what do we do after we measure ourselves by the standards of Scripture? Not only, Paul says, are we to give God praise for what we see of any obedience in our lives, attributing it only to him, but according to Paul, we are to do something that may surprise you. It's found in verse 5. For each one will bear his own load. Now look at that. Each one will bear his own load. Doesn't this sound like a complete contradiction to what Paul has said in verse 2 when he commanded us to bear one another's burdens? How can we bear the burdens of others but at the same time be commanded to bear our own load by ourselves apart from the help of anyone else? Well, this is no contradiction. This actually complements each other. And we know that because Paul is talking about two different things here. Verse 2 and verse 5 are different. And we know that because the apostle uses two different Greek words to indicate there is a difference in what he's talking about. See, in verse 2, the word that Paul used for burdens usually means, and I say usually, this is the way it's usually used in ancient Greek literature and even in the New Testament. It usually means heavy burdens, weights that are just too heavy for one person to carry. And, and that's the word that Paul uses here. That's why we need to come alongside and help them carry this weight. But that's not the Greek word that Paul uses here in verse 5 that's translated load. The word that he uses here usually, once again, in Greek literature, refers to a light load, something that can be carried without much difficulty. It was used in ancient literature to speak of a traveling pack, what we would call a backpack. It's not completely light. It's a little heavy, but not too heavy. So listen closely. When Paul says that every man must bear his own load, he's referring to the weight of our personal responsibilities before God to obey him as disciples of Christ. In other words, we are all responsible for our own actions before God. We are all responsible to bear our own load of obedience as followers of Christ. Nobody else can help us. We've got to do that. It's our responsibility alone. Others can encourage us, but they can't bear it for us. Someday we're going to stand before the Lord and give an account for our lives. We're going to be there before him, not with other people who are helping us. It's our personal responsibility. No one can help us carry these loads. These are our personal works of obedience that come with being a follower of Christ. And so they're ours alone to bear. Now, folks, God commands us to examine ourselves by the standards of his word, not by the standards of other people. If you compare yourself to others, you will either be thinking that you're better or thinking that you're worse. Stop comparing yourself to other people. 
when you evaluate yourself in light of the word of God, and if you see any obedience, see any desire to obey, any godly attitude, any spiritual fruit, anything positive, anything good in terms of your obedience to Scripture, praise God then because he has brought this about. Not you. He's brought it about. He's produced this in you. There is no room for pride in the Christian life. None at all. Boast in him, not in yourself. Because remember, you are nothing. I'm nothing. But if you measure your life by the standards of God, especially his moral standards, you look at the Ten Commandments, both externally and internally, and you see only disobedience, only rebellion, only a violation of his law. It's because you've never been, as Jesus said, born again. You're still dead in your sins and trespasses, and you need to turn from your sin and turn to Christ to save you. He will forgive you if you repent of your sin and trust him alone for your salvation. Trust that his death was a death in, as a substitute for you. If you believe that and you cease trying to earn your way to heaven by being good and recognize there is no good in you, if you trust Christ and his substitutionary death on the cross, you will be saved, the Bible says. You will be forgiven. You will be transformed. That's the message of the gospel. So don't compare yourself to others. Look at the word of God. Look at the word of God and see what it has to say. Let's bow for prayer. Father, I pray that you'll use your word today to strip us of all self-righteousness, Lord. It's so easy for us to forget really how sinful we are. It's so easy for us to think that we are better than others, especially when we've known you for a while and we've walked with you and there's been some, some things and ways you've used us to bring honor to you. Lord, it's, it's easy to forget that we are nothing. I pray that you'll remind each of us here who we are, who we are in you, and that instead of praising ourselves, instead of boasting about ourselves, our praise and our boast would be about Christ. And I pray, Father, for that struggling believer who perhaps is comparing himself to other believers and feeling like he's falling so, so short. I pray that you'll encourage that person to turn his eyes away from others and to look into the face of Christ seen in the scriptures and be encouraged because Christ can enable him to live a godly life. Lord, I pray for some here who may not know you. I pray you'll open their hearts to the gospel. I pray that they'll recognize the truth of what salvation really is, not trusting in themselves, but trusting in Christ alone. And I pray to that end. I also pray, Lord, that as a church body, help us to bear each other's burdens. Help us to care. Help us to try to restore one another, but not in a self-righteous attitude, but with, a, with gentleness, recognizing that except for the grace of God, that's us. So I pray you'll take your word and you'll apply it to our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord help us to always keep a right perspective about ourselves and a healthy desire to be of help to those around us who are struggling. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, and today's broadcast brings us to the end of another sermon in Pastor Steve Kreloff's series about the practical results of true spirituality. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Stop in some Sunday if you're in the area and looking for a place to worship. The address is 1893 Sunset Point Road. 
Call 727-441-1714 for service times or directions. Or visit Lakeside's website, lakesidechapel.com. You can get a free audio CD with the message Pastor Steve just finished by calling that number I just mentioned and asking for message 1534, The Practical Benefits of True Spirituality, Part 2. The phone number again is 727-441-1714. Verse by Verse is a listener-supported ministry. If you'd like to be one of those supporters, call Lakeside or visit the giving page at our website, versebyverseradio.org. We thank you for your encouragement and financial support and hope you will continue faithfully supporting your home church. Also at our website, we have hundreds of previous broadcasts that are free to stream or download if you'd like to catch up on anything you might have missed. That's at versebyverseradio.org. I'm Jerry Peterson. One of Jesus' biggest irritations with the scribes and Pharisees was their unwillingness to help people that they were supposed to be shepherding. He said in Matthew 23, 4, They tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. It's our responsibility as believers to lift more than our fingers to help our brothers and sisters with their burdens. Next time on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve will help us consider how we can do that. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's Verse by Faith Talk 570. W. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.